ESPN Radio. You're listening to ESPN Radio on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, ESPN Plus. It's your boy Chris Canty, and I am rocking with Amber Wilson. Going up on a Tuesday, and we are presented by Progressive Insurance. We're eight days away from the NFL draft, and so we've got plenty of news and notes from around the National Football League, including who could potentially be on the move, wide receivers that are in line for big paydays. Of course, there's more Baker Mayfield drama, but Amber, there's only one place to start today, and that's with the NBA playoffs. And we saw how dominant the Golden State Warriors were last night when they boat raced the Denver Nuggets 126 to 106. We saw Nikola Jokic get tossed around the seven minute mark in the fourth quarter. Didn't like a lot of the calls that he was getting. Liked it even less when Gary Payton II pat him on the backside on the way to a timeout. And then, of course, we did see what Steph Curry did with that eruption off the bench. 34 points in 24 minutes. He was plus 32. Clay Thompson and Jordan Poole for 50 points and so Amber the question I gotta ask you is off the top is this series between Golden State and Denver over with the series might be over with I think that we're we're witnessing a Denver team the reason that Jokic is so frustrated which by the way Steph Curry holds back Jokic a bit of a size disparity there that might have been the most impressive thing (laughs) that Steph Curry did yesterday in fact but I would say that we're watching a Denver team Chris that has been shorthanded all season the greatness of Jokic has covered it up during the regular season. You can't cover up that sort of thing in these playoffs. And, and that's the long and the short of it. This Warriors team, healthy at the right time. We know during the last 10 weeks of the season, they were a sub-500 team. They were battling their own injuries all over the place. But they're healthy now and seemingly very healthy, considering what Clay did last night in just, what, 24 minutes that he was on that court. But with this, War- with this uh, Nuggets team, it's been a different story all season long. And you're just putting two much expectation on Jokic to be able to get it done by himself when he's been missing two of his key pieces all season long. I do think that this series, frankly, is just too much of a mismatch for a shorthanded Denver Nuggets team. Yeah, and it feels like that too. It's been a one-sided affair, but Amber, the part that's probably been the most impressive for me is just the sheer depth and versatility that Golden State has across the players that are in their rotation. If you looked at the first game that they had against the Nuggets, they had 10 guys play north of 13 minutes. And in last night's game, the four primary guys that they used off of the bench, all of them played 16 minutes or more. So you're seeing that they're playing nine or 10 guys, and a lot of those players are wings, players that are in that two, three, and four position in the lineup. And with that kind of versatility, that enhances their defensive efficiency. They can switch a lot of the different looks that the Denver Nuggets are throwing at them in pick-and-roll situations. But then offensively, Amber, there are just so many different ways that they can attack you. They got a lot of guys that can shoot it from deep, so that extends the defense, which creates a lot more lanes for guys to get you know, penetration off the bounce and then a lot more lanes for guys to have backdoor cuts for easy looks in the paint. So I, I like the way that this Golden State Warriors team is playing, so much so, Amber, that I'm willing to call them the most dangerous team in the NBA playoffs. And beyond that, I think they're going to be the team to beat when you consider the championship DNA that Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and Draymond Green have. And with that being said, it's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And Amber, we heard from Draymond Green yesterday after the game about Steph Curry's performance and just how impressed he was. Take a listen. 
when Steph came in the game, he just he just drove until they stopped him. And the big was kind of shaded towards me to take the pocket away. So he just kept driving them. And I think that broke their defense down. And, and once he started doing that, um, you know, now you got him into the paint, kicking out and flying back off for threes. That's that's when Steph Curry is at is most dangerous, off the ball. And so um, I thought the way he came in and settled our offense down, I mean, it's what you expect of Steph Curry, but you know, um, I thought that was huge. And you know, like I said, to be plus thirty-two in twenty-two minutes, twenty-three minutes—that's it. Doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, I mean, Steph Curry is plus forty-nine through the first two games of this series. I think it has more to do with the matchup than anything else, Amber. But any of the questions that we had about Steph Curry's health coming into the playoffs, I think it's fair to say we can put those to bed now. Yeah, we can put it to bed. I mean, still only 23 minutes, right? So they're still handling him with a very careful gloves right now. And that's what they should be doing here in the first round against the decimated Denver Nuggets team because it doesn't seem like this is going to be a long series for the Warriors. So why go ahead and push his body when he's coming back from injury? The big question marks, though, Chris, as we took it down the stretch of the regular season, was how healthy is this Warriors team going to be? I mean, the problem with this Warriors team this season, they started off so strong. Everybody was talking about this team like they were the 2015 Warriors, where they're not. In 2022, the reality is, Chris Canty, that this is a different Warriors team. The three core may look the same, but they are a bit older and maybe a bit more injury prone because of that. We know what's happened here with Clay Thompson, and it took him a while to get his footing back coming back to basketball basketball as well he took such a long hiatus from it with the multiple injuries and so he was a little bit inconsistent here in the second half of the season that would be too expected and then of course with Draymond Green you had the longest hiatus of his career come this season as well the first couple months of this year once the calendar year turned so he took a little while to look like Draymond Green again as well and then with Steph Curry getting injured at the end of the regular season it was hard to know how good this Warriors team would finally be once they were all back on the court together. But the answer to that question appears to be just fine because they are fully (laughs) healthy. Uh, Steph Curry seems to not be having any problems. 12 of 17 last night, including 5 of 10 from 3. I mean, Draymond Green said you can't get much better than that. And that seems factual in 23 minutes. I don't know how you could be much better than what Steph Curry put up for them yesterday. But I think the key really here is Jordan Poole because it's funny, Chris, I wasn't one who was willing to say that the Warriors were the team to beat. And frankly, I'm still not because are you forgetting about that little Phoenix Suns team uh, over there in the West You're as just well? a hater, Amber. That's okay. You're just a hater. It'll I, be all I right. Mean, I, you'll you'll come over to my side sides. eventually. No. You'll get there. But I'm not there yet, although I will say I'm like ever so much slightly little closer there because (laughs) what I have said about this Warriors team is because, yes, they are aging and they are a little bit of a different team than the dynasty Warriors that we were used to watching, even if a lot of the names are the same. They needed somebody new to step up. They need some younger blood in there to step up, and that is Jordan Poole stepping up in a huge way. Jordan Poole helps them essentially kind of age. So although we've seen the problems with health this season I actually think Jordan Poole is a difference maker here in these playoffs the way that he has stepped up makes me believe that the Warriors do have that extra edge if one of those three guys has a kind of off night they're not just clicking maybe they're a little sore in a certain way then Jordan Poole can really take it down the stretch for the Warriors and get the dubs and that's exactly what he has helped them do this this series okay so we got Amber Wilson's opinion on where the Golden State Warriors are at not quite ready to call them the favorites in the Western Conference let alone the favorites for the NBA title. 
But let's take a listen to our very own Jay Williams from KJM this morning on what he's seeing from the Golden State Warriors. But you're even seeing the moves or like the little push out dribble and then he combines that with a step back at the same time. It's a different iteration of Steph. He's not as prolific shooter as Steph, but it's a different iteration of Steph. And think about what that does for Clay Thompson. Now, if you're Clay, right, there's not the same pressure on you to come back and be that elite, elite player that you were before you got hurt two years ago. It's just, yo, man, you're looking at it. I'm sitting there looking at Memphis and I'm looking at Phoenix and I'm saying, yo, this, this team that could win a championship right here. Yeah, and here's the thing, Amber. It's it, it, Jordan Poole is a part of it, but it's also been a movement by this organization to go out and get younger, more versatile wing players. They went out and got Andrew Wiggins a couple of years ago. That's a guy that adds youth and athleticism. Gary Payton II is a guy that brings youth and athleticism off the bench, not to mention an incredible amount of hops. You saw the block that he had against Jokic last night. Just the ability to be a two-way player. Having guys that have those different types of elements, Bielitsa as a big that can stretch the floor with his three-point shooting, those are all elements that Golden State needed to retool around Steph, Clay, and Draymond in order to make another title push. And I feel like all of the pieces on this team are coming together at, a right, at the right time, and that's what makes them the scariest team in the NBA and the most dangerous team because you're adding the element of youth and athleticism to a group that's already proven that it can win at the highest level. There's something to be said for championship DNA, having a blueprint on how to have success in the postseason, and the Golden State Warriors with Steph Clay and Draymond and Steve Kerr as their head coach certainly have that in spades. And that's Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. This is Amber Wilson and Chris Canning on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. And Amber, last night's game also leaves us to question exactly where the Denver Nuggets are at and just how good Nikola Jokic is. And Amber, he's the odds-on favorite right now to win the NBA MVP. We've heard from Seth Greenberg and others that if they had a vote, Nikola Jokic would be that dude at the end of the regular season. But he's not looking like that dude in this series against the Golden State Warriors. And Amber, he didn't look like that dude when his team got swept last year in the second round of the playoffs by the Phoenix Suns, who eventually came out of the West to the NBA Finals. All I'm asking is, if he is really that good, then why is he on a six-game losing streak in the playoffs and we're talking about him being ejected in two of those six games? Are we actually going to sit here and pretend, though, even off of a rough day yesterday for Jokic that he's really not that good? I mean, you you set it up like if he's really that good. We know how good Jokic is because do of we, what we saw do him we, do, do we, in the regular do know, season. Do we know how good he is, though, Amber? He's like historically good, Chris Canty. He's like doing things we've never seen in NBA history according kind of good. According to analytics, according to analytics and player efficiency ratings, and all of those things are well and good. They all have their place. But in my opinion, it's just a tool. I also have to look at something called the eye test. And my eyes tell me that if he's the MVP, his team shouldn't be getting manhandled the way the Golden State Warriors are working them in the first couple of games of this playoff series. And we shouldn't see him go over in the second round of the playoffs against the Phoenix Suns last year. Who does That's he all have I'm around saying. him, If he's though. the MVP, he's got to be better. He's got to be at least more impactful. Can you at least put up some kind of co- competition against your opponent? I, that's all I'm asking for. If more you're impact- If you're a back-to-back MVP... Can, can we not have you on a six-game losing streak in the playoffs? That's all I'm asking. 
You can't be more impactful, though, than getting your team into a situation to play the Warriors in the playoffs. I mean, they were squarely in the playoffs, and that was all thanks to Jokic. You can't credit anybody else on that Denver Nuggets team with that because if they didn't have Jokic, this would be a lottery team. They wouldn't be anywhere near the playoffs, this team. He was missing his second and third best player all season long. He doesn't have a supporting cast around him, not even the supporting cast that he wants in Denver because it hasn't been healthy. So what he has done in the face of that, in the with the adversity around him this season, where he's still breaking all the records and the analytics still look the way they look, it's remarkable. And let's not forget, Chris, it is a regular season award. Now, I'm not defending his actions here in this series. I mean, we can't act like he was terrible. Like, he did put up 26 points and 11 boards before he got tossed from the game. I do think that we would like to see maybe a different attitude from an MVP caliber player, but he's frustrated out there because, frankly, he doesn't have enough help around him to beat this Warriors team. That's the reality of it. This Warriors team is too multifaceted and too deep, and like you said, the new guys on this team, the younger guys on this team, they've all stepped up in a big way in these playoffs. That's what I was waiting to see from this Warriors team because so much of the narrative around this Warriors team has been, oh, well, it's, you know, it's the same three. It's, it's Clay Thompson, it's Draymond Green, it's Steph Curry, you know, like it's like, it's 2017 up in here. And the reality mm-hmm. is that it's not, but now when you throw in some of those new names into the mix, and then those guys like the Jordan pools are actually having real impact here and big time impact in the playoffs. That's what makes this Warriors team so dangerous. And it's just too much for Jokic. So of course he expresses that frustration and Steph Curry has to hold him back. Let's hear from Nikola Jokic in his own words on why he was so frustrated after last night's performance. What, what's your frustration level with, with the whistle, with the game, with with everything? I mean, it's pretty much everything, you know. Um, it is what it is, you know. I'm not supposed to do that, uh, and I'm not going to do that. But I think I get fouled in a moment uh, because I heard the slap, so... I mean, that's why, that's why I just reacted. Okay, Amber, so here's what I'll say about that. You had Draymond Green on you, who's given up about five inches. You had two quick whistles early in the game on Kevon Looney that benefited you because Kevon Looney was tossed out of the game. They put Draymond on you, who's undersized, and yet you couldn't be more effective. You couldn't be more efficient in terms of getting the shots that you wanted and getting to the free throw line more times than you did. So I hear all of these things about the refs, but to me it just sounds like excuses. It's playoff basketball. You know that the refs are going to swallow their whistle if it's a borderline call. The calls are not going to bail you out. The refs don't want to see the calls determining the outcome of playoff games. They want to see the superstars do it. And so far, the stars for the Golden State Warriors are up for the challenge. It doesn't feel like Jokic is. Well, again, I mean, Jokic is not, it's not the same as the way that this Warriors team is constructed, but you want him to do superhuman things. And I think that we want our superstars who are winning back-to-back MVPs to do superhuman things and also do it with a smile on their faces, right? Because he was wearing his frustration and wearing his frustration towards the refs. And I am with you that to that point, it feels a bit like excuses because this is playoff basketball. So particularly for a player of that caliber, when we're staring in the face of back-to-back MVP awards, like step up, don't blame it on the refs. 
handle yourself, handle the moment, handle apparently a friendly butt slap that apparently offended you so much and keep your emotions in check in order to try to win this series. But the reality is that that wouldn't even have helped him win this series. Like they're not, he's so outmatched by this Warriors team that I think that's why you see that level of frustration from him. If this was not a regular season award, Chris, when we're talking about an MVP, then fine. We can have a real conversation about Jokic not being in contention for an MVP award. But the reality is it's a regular season award. And what Come I saw on, him do Amber, through the regular don't season, Don't fall for Chris, it, Amber. I mean, listen, the regular insane. season does have value beyond just deciding the standings. The regular season does help us frame how we look at this guy's in historical context when it comes to NBA greatness. And when you have somebody that's poised to win back-to-back MVPs, think about that. This guy will not only have multiple MVPs on his resume, you're talking about him going back-to-back MVPs. Shaquille O'Neal only has one MVP. Kobe Bryant only has one MVP. Like, think about that. Right. We're we're going to the territory of saying this dude is not only going to have more MVPs than those guys, but they're going to be back-to-back MVPs. I mean, we did see Giannis do it not so so long ago, but Nikola Jokic is not on the same level as Giannis, and we all know that. What are we, so all we I'm all simply know, saying hold on. is, so do all we I'm all simply saying, we do all know that. Stop do we it, all Amber. know that because Giannis Stop won it. a championship last Stop year? Like, it. is that why we all know, did we all yes. know that before Giannis won a ring? Like, is that why we all of a sudden all know that? Because I remember Giannis these got, conversations yeah. about Giannis as well. And with Jokic, we're talking about a player, like I said, who has done things that nobody else in NBA history has done. He's the first player in NBA history to record 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, 500 assists in a single season. I mean, he is out here breaking all sorts of records. And, and he's probably going to be the first back. Back-to-back MVP to get swept back-to-back seasons in the playoffs. That's my whole point. Like, we're we're having this conversation, and we're saying this dude is the MVP of the league, and he can't get – he can't avoid being swept in back-to-back playoff series? Give me a break. Now, when we look at the updated MVP odds, right now Nikola Jokic is minus 300, Joel Embiid is plus 260, and Giannis Antetokounmpo is plus 800. Amber, for my money, Joel Embiid should be a lot closer in the odds with Nikola Jokic just based off what we're seeing in the playoffs in terms of the overall impact on his team having a chance to have success. Now, I get it. Embiid is not going against the Golden State Warriors. I understand that. But when it comes to that player making sure that his imprint is put on the game, I saw that last night in the first quarter with Joel Embiid against the Toronto Raptors where he dropped 20. I have yet to see Nikola Jokic in the two games that he's played against the Golden State Warriors set the tone in that way. And that's all I'm looking for. Even if you're losing these games, they shouldn't be blowouts by 20. That's my whole point. If you're the MVP, you've got to do more to elevate the play of those around you. Not to mention you've got to give more in the way of your own individual production. Joel Embiid is not missing Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray. Joel Embiid has James Harden. He has Tobias Harris. He, he just has got Tyrese James Harden. He and he's never won a championship either. He did he just, just get him. And Joel Embiid hasn't done anything in terms of winning championships in his career, if that's how we are evaluating things here. 
Jokic is doing everything out there during the regular season for the Nuggets that he can. He is the sole reason, the sole reason that they are in the position that they are in in these playoffs to even attempt to contend with a Warriors team. I know they're not doing a very good job of contending with a Warriors team right now because that Warriors team is just too deep and loaded. But we cannot ignore the fact that Jokic is missing his second and third best players on that team. He is quite literally out there on an island by himself, and he has been getting it done all regular season and getting it done in historical fashion his numbers are just that much better than Joel Embiid Joel Embiid is an incredible player it's just a shame he's playing the game at the same time as Jokic is the only reason he didn't win MVP last season and he's not going to win it this season either okay so you guys know where I'm at I think that Joel Embiid should get more consideration for MVP Amber thinks that Nikola Jokic should win back-to-back MVP so you guys be the tiebreaker hit us up on the candy call in line Triple H say ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. Should Nikola Jokic be back-to-back MVP? We want to hear from you because I am i don't like what Amber Wilson had to say to me. But coming up next, did we see enough from the 76ers to put them back into championship contender category? We'll get into that a little bit. You're listening to Amber Wilson, Chris Canny, ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. We'll get to Joel Embiid's big night as the Sixers beat up on the Toronto Raptors and taking a commanding 2-0 lead. But right now, Amber, we got to get back to this conversation about Nikola Jokic, the guy that's the odds-on favorite to win the MVP and have back-to-back MVPs, which only 12 players in NBA history have ever done. So you're listening to Amber Wilson and Chris Candy on ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average. Amber, we got to go out to the candy call-in line. The number is 888-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. We want to hear from you guys on whether or not Jokic is the MVP for this season. We're going to go out to John in Vegas. John, you're on ESPN Radio. What up? Thanks for the call, guys. All right, Jokic is the MVP, and here's something that you guys are missing. If you look at last night's game, Curry, 34, Poole, 29, Clay 21. Those are all guards. If you just limit those guys to 25 points each, Denver's in the game. Jokic can't do anything about that. If you look at the forwards, they were all held in check. 
and this guy's running without two of his starters, he's clearly the MVP. Preach. I don't understand that, John, when you say he can't do anything about it. In the NBA, last I checked, it's five on five, so Jokic is one of five, and he plays on both ways. So I get that all of these guards are the ones that are doing the volume of the scoring for Golden State, but if you're uh, MVP, you should be able to impact the game in more ways than just on the offensive end of the court. And so being a rim protector, being a dominant defensive presence absolutely helps your guards play tighter defense on Steph, on Jordan Poole, and on Klay Thompson. So you got to miss me with all of that. Like, if you're the MVP, you got to be able to have an impact on both ends of the court, and that's not what we're seeing from Jokic in this series. But that's not Jokic's game, to that caller's point. If you want to have the defensive argument, then sure, you win, because it's hands down Joel Embiid. It's Joel Embiid over Giannis then as well, right? But it's not just a defensive award. I mean, you do have to take into account what he has done offensively. So yes, Jokic's game is not being out there and being a prolific defender at all times, but... At his position, he is actually a better defender than people give him credit for, Chris. Like, he is actually far better than average at his position as a defender. But it matters. We're talking about different styles of play and totally different players at different positions in the game. He's out there. He's one of five. He's not one on five, right? I mean, there's only so much that Jokic can do to that caller's point. And what he has done offensively has been brilliant brilliant this season and what he has done defensively at his position I think has been good enough well here's what I'll say Amber he can have an outstanding season and still not be the MVP but then the fact that we're going to give this guy well not that we're giving it to him but he's poised to earn back-to-back MVPs it just doesn't sit well with me when you look at the guys throughout NBA history that have back-to-back MVPs like I'm going to run through the list and you tell me where Nikola Jokic fits on this list of guys in NBA history Bill Russell won back-to-back MVPs. Wilt Chamberlain won back-to-back MVPs. Larry Bird, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar did it twice, uh, four, uh, four years but two separate spans. Moses Malone, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, Tim Duncan, Steve Nash, LeBron James, who did it twice in winning back-to-back MVPs, Steph Curry, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Of the guys on that list, the only one that I feel like Nikola Jokic is the same caliber of player with is Steve Nash. And we would all agree that those two, when you look at the other guys that have done it, they don't necessarily fit in terms of being considered the one amongst the greatest of all time. I'm sorry, I just can't buy into that, especially when you look at what this guy has done in the postseason that we saw last year and what seems like going to be the fate for the Denver Nuggets in the postseason this year being swept by the Golden State Warriors. I'm sorry, I just can't buy into this guy being the most valuable player in the league this year. That's a heck of a list, and LeBron could have won it six times uh, because there was a lot of years there he should have won it, but he didn't win it, so that's incredible to think when you really evaluate that list. I'm not comparing him, though, to the list, but what I wonder, Chris Canty, is what is stopping you from putting him in the conversation of one of the greatest? I'm living step-by-step here. All Mm -hmm. I know is that Jokic last year was the best player in the NBA in the regular season by the numbers, by the analytics. I know you don't like those, but that's the reality of the no, situation. No, and it's frankly, not that I don't like analytics. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm not going to let you. I'm team. not going to let you gloss over that point. It's not that I am against analytics. I'm not anti-analytics, but I think analytics is a part of it. It tells some of the story. It doesn't tell the entire story. And I also believe that while it is a regular season award, 
what you do in the postseason goes a long ways to determining your legacy. And the reason that I'm so big on the MVP award is because these awards help to shape and define how we view those players through the annals of history. And that's all I'm saying. When it comes to Nikola Jokic and him winning back-to-back MVPs, I'm sorry, I just can't get on board with that given the fact that he's on a six-game losing streak in the playoffs. He got swept by the Phoenix Suns last year, and he's about to get swept in the first round by the Golden State Warriors this year. Okay, let's go back out to the candy call-in line and bring on Dan in South Carolina. Dan, you're on ESPN Radio. What up? South Dakota, but that's okay. Hey, I'm a Nuggets fan, and I would still vote Giannis Cooper number one, uh, N- Nikola uh, Jokic number two, and then uh, Joel Embiid number three, and here's why. Um, Jokic's three-point ball is just falling off the cliff this year. He cannot hit a three-pointer. That really hurts your defense. And in today's NBA, you, your center has to be able to play defense, number one, which he's not very good at that either. And number two, he's got to hit the three ball. And it, it fell off the cliff this year. He couldn't hit the three ball. And um, he's like the Kirk Cousins of the NBA or the NFL, whatever you want to call it, because he's got all these stats but no championships. I agree with Chris Canning. He's right. He's not the MVP because he can't lift his teammates up. He plays no defense. I'm a Nuggets fan. I've been watching this guy all year. He cannot hit three-pointers no more, and that really hurts your team because you can't stretch it out. They'll just pack it in, and that's why uh, Gordon can't hit and stuff. And so, yeah, he's just – Giannis is a way better three-point shooter now than Jokic, and he's a better defender, which equals a lot better player and a lot more championships. Yeah, Jokic can have all the stats in the world, but his team isn't winning. And, yeah, you can have all the excuses in the world, but it's not like all these other teams don't have injuries either. Look at Atlanta. Look at all these other teams that are down. I, the, y- y'all are killing me with these Jokic takes. I mean, he's a perfectly capable <laughs> shooter from the outside. And this idea that he is not good defensively is so hot takey overrated. It mm. was true maybe years ago. It is not true now. And particularly in this season, he is much improved defensively in this season. You were talking about a player who has stepped up time and again. He has excellent hand awareness. He has three game-saving blocks this season alone. That's the Jokic we're talking about that you guys are out here saying who can't defend at all. It's a totally different game than Joel Embiid. That's true. So if you like that tough defensive ability, then yes, the edge is going to go to Giannis or Joel Embiid over Jokic. But there's more to this story than that, Chris. I mean, you were talking about a player in Jokic's per game averages over 27 points, over 13 boards, almost 14, and eight assists that's never been hit in the 75-year history of the NBA. Mm. This player is out here doing unbelievably historical things, and y'all are trying to tell me, but he's not elite on defense, so it's not an MVP award for him. I mean, it's Joel Embiid is not out here breaking all these records offensively that Jokic is. Well, I will say this, Amber, this conversation is not going anywhere. People are going to continue to be talking about it, including us. And we want to continue to hear from you guys on the candy call-in line, 888-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. Cabana, we see you on the call-in line, as well as Aaron in Wilmington, Darren in West Virginia, Warren in Wisconsin. We're going to get to you guys on the other side. But also coming up next, fair or foul, Joel Embiid says that the Toronto Raptors coach Nick Nurse needs to stop complaining about the officiating. Amber and I will dive a little bit deeper into that. You're listening to ESPN Radio back after this. 
ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Chris Canny on ESPN Radio. And Amber, last night the Sixers beat up on the Toronto Raptors to the tune of 112-97. to The game wasn't even that close because Toronto really, really, really wasn't in that game. I mean, you're talking about a 20-2 run that they had to go on in the beginning of the fourth quarter to even make the game look like it was competitive, which it was not. But that's not the most interesting thing to come out of last night's game. One of the most interesting things that we saw was Joel Embiid chopping it up in the fourth quarter with Nick Nurse, and we really didn't have an idea of what they were talking about until the post-game commentary from both of them. So we do have Joel Embiid on what he was talking to Nick Nurse about during that fourth quarter. Take a listen. Oh, man, he's, he's a great coach, obviously. I, I got to, you know, what he's been able to accomplish and, you know, I've always been a big fan. Um, but, you know, I, I told him, uh, you know, uh, respectfully, uh, told him uh, uh, to stop <laughs> my calls uh, uh, because I saw what he said last game. Now, Amber, anytime anybody has to say something respectfully, they're probably saying it in the most disrespectful fashion possible. And that's what I get a lot of when I listen to Joel Embiid's postgame presser when he was talking about that interaction with Nick Nurse. I like how he starts off with, you know, he's a great coach and won a championship and respectfully, and then I'm going to go ahead and proceed and disrespect you, which is what's going to come (laughs) after somebody sets it up by saying respectfully, let's be honest. I think the truth lies somewhere here in the middle between the position of Joel Embiid and Nick Nurse, where Joel Embiid, of course, says, no, every call totally reasonable. In fact, there should have been even more calls, which of course Joel Embiid's going to say that. And then Nick Nurse had said after game one, that Joel Embiid was out there hitting players and elbowing players and that they weren't getting the calls because of that. And that is how Joel Embiid plays, frankly. So that wouldn't be a shock to anybody if the officials were missing some of that ticky-tackness from Joel Embiid as well. So I do think probably that Nick Nurse maybe should complain a little less, but at the same time, uh, I'm not sure I'm on the side of Joel Embiid thinking that uh, every call is legit and there could even be more. Well, here's the thing, Amber. It's playoff basketball, so I don't want to see all of the ticky-tacky calls, but if you're Nick Nurse, you're in no position to complain about the foul calls last night, and I get that there was a disparity. There were 24 fouls called on the Raptors compared to the 18 that were called on the Philadelphia 76ers, and Embiid went to the line 14 times. So I get why he would be upset, but if you watched early on in that game, the hard fouls on Embiid by Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi, like they were clearly trying to send a message to Joel Embiid, and for a guy to be able to withstand that and still drop 19 in the first quarter, that speaks volumes about his toughness. So stop complaining about the calls. It's the playoffs. It's Amber Wilson and Chris Canning on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Hit us up on the Twitter line at AmberW790 and at ChrisCanny99. And as always, tap in on the Candy call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. And Amber, we did see the Toronto Raptors fall down 0-2 to the Philadelphia 76ers. And this game really got out of hand, especially early on. You're talking about the Toronto Raptors having a a lead by the Sixers extended into that third quarter to as many as 29 points before they mounted some semblance of a comeback but ultimately ended up coming up short. We'll dive a little more into some of the X's and O's and some of the takeaways from that game. But before we do that, Amber, we got to go out to our guy, Cabana in New Mexico, who's on the candy calling line because he wants to get at me about that conversation we were having about Jokic's Embiid 
and who deserves to be this year's MVP. Cabana, what up? You're on ESPN Radio. What's going on, man? How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Well, I'm going to start it off by respectfully. <laughs> I agree with you. Joel Embiid should be the MVP. He's been the most consistent. I don't have the numbers. That's your guys' job to figure that out. But if you look at the body of work all year long, game by game, he's been the most consistent player all year long. Nikolai or Jokic, the Joker, got his run probably toward the end of the season. You know, he's a great player. But if I had to give it to one, I'd have to give it to Embiid. We've been saying I beat Embiid all year long, and now we're going to switch it up the last, what, five, six weeks of the year? I don't agree with that. Cabana, yes. Cabana, with all due respect, because that's the other one, right? Other than respect. <laughs> Cabana, with all due respect, how much Nuggets basketball have you been watching since the beginning of the season? Oh, a lot. I watch a lot of I, I low-key like the Nuggets because when Carmelo Anthony and them guys were there, they, that was grown man basketball back in the day. So I, I follow them a lot. However, me being a Laker fan, me being a Golden State Warrior fan, and me being a, a post myself, you got to respect what Joel Embiid is doing. You got He hasn't put numbers. You, you talk about uh, uh, Jokic is breaking records and things like that. When is the last center that, that's done what uh, Embiid has done? Not since Shaq. Yeah, that's two decades you're talking about. So, yeah, leading the league in scoring, that speaks volumes. And, Amber, one of the things that I feel like goes under the radar is what Joel Embiid had to deal with even coming into this season with Ben Simmons refusing to play for the team and then not really having the all-star caliber player to be that, that second option for his team, being able to figure out a way to navigate around all of that and still keep his team in a top four, top five uh, position in the standings in the Eastern Conference. I think that's something that, that goes understated when we have the conversation about how deserving Embiid is of an MVP bid. I understand that missing Ben Simmons and there was the drama there and then James Harden entering your team late in the season. Like, I understand that there was some adversity for that 76ers team, but there was more adversity in Denver. I mean, being able to keep a Nuggets team afloat without Michael Porter Jr. and without Jamal Murray is an unbelievable feat with at least with Joel Embiid. He knew Ben Simmons wasn't going to play. I mean, it wasn't like Ben Simmons made an appearance and then he didn't he didn't have him. I mean, the Ben Simmons situation was such that we knew coming into the season he wasn't going to play and we all knew frankly that he was probably never going to play for the Philadelphia 76ers again so I'm not saying it was easy street in the face of all of that for Joel Embiid but I think that if we're talking about adversity Jokic has faced even more of it oh I don't, that's tough to say for me Amber because there's a lot more drama involved with that Ben Simmons situation than Jamal Murray or Michael Porter those guys are injured they knew that they weren't going to have those guys like that that's something that's obvious and you know that they're not going to be traded at the deadline we didn't know what was going to happen with the Philadelphia 76ers in the Ben Simmons saga. And so for MB to block out all of the noise surrounding that situation and still go out there and play ball and put his team in this situation that they're in right now, I think that speaks volumes about his sports character and his leadership traits. I think there's some value in that. But Amber, looking at last night's game against the Raptors, how impressed were you with Embiid's performance, especially early on in the first half, the first quarter where he dropped 19 points? Yeah, I mean, how could you not be impressed by what Embiid did? And that's the kind of thing that you need from Joel Embiid because whether he's your MVP or whether he's my runner-up for MVP is splitting hairs, right? He is an MVP caliber player this season. And because of that, you expect him on that team with those expectations that the 76ers have to step up and to get it done. And that's exactly what he did against the Toronto Raptors team, frankly, that I have been very disappointed in so far.
Yeah, me too. And I was Very surprised that Gary Trent Jr. tried to play last night. We saw that there was no Scotty Barnes. We knew they were going to be undermanned, but I did not expect this series to look as one-sided as it has. But coming up next, we're going to make a hard turn to the NFL. Is Baker Mayfield the best quarterback option for the Carolina Panthers? Amber and I will get into it. 